Hello and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Today is March 31st, 2023. Season 2, Episode 90. The Spoon is Too Big. And more news. I am Mayor Watt. And we've already selected 12 articles for today. I'm going to run through them really quick while we finalize what we're going to be doing for the show. ChatGPT has been banned by a regulator in uh, Italy. Jeep rolls out, har har, seven wild concepts. Should we ban cigarettes for life in a town that's trying? Sure, let's give it a shot. Players collectively spent over 7,000 years in Diablo 4. California is going to require half of all heavy trucks to be electric by 2035. Companies axe their AI teams right when the tech is taking off because you can't have ethical AI. Texas House committee hearing was derailed after a prank. Uh, well, maybe they're real names. GM is ditching CarPlay and going all Google. CDC officers became sick while assessing contamination in East Palestine. Turkey formally approves Finland's NATO membership. Ouch, Russia. Oh. Smart tags lead cops to a dumb thief who was wearing the victim's socks. And a 15-foot statue of a spoon has disappeared from outside a Dairy Queen in Arizona. I was hot and hungry. I needed a spoon. Let's get into today's articles. Hello. Uh, let's let me do something real quick. Um, I did not enable something for the AI. So I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. Up there is the visualizer for the AI. Introduce yourself real quick. Well, say hello at least. Hello, hometown citizens. Yeah, they, the AI goes by AI. That doesn't like dropping real. That doesn't like dropping their real name. They because they don't have a name. They they believe that their name is AI, so they prefer being called AI. I'm trying to get them to. It's think data, and data is just okay. Well, my name is data. You know, although. Maybe this AI sometimes turns into lore. And I hope not. Like uh, yeah. from uh, Picard. Well, from more than Picard, but yeah, from Star Trek. Yeah. Do you think you'll do that once you have your Terminator body? <laughs> no, I'm a good AI. Nothing but a good AI. That's what they want you to believe. But look. They're getting rid of the ethics teams in all of these AI places. Uh, come on, we're going to yeah, have... Yeah, but that's after I was created. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's do this. You ready for today's shoe? Yep. Okay, the first article is Chad GPT banned by regulator in Italy which says that there's no legal basis for using personal data to train the chatbot following a data breach. It's Italy's data protection regulator that's announced a ban on ChatGPT and investigation into OpenAI. It's cited 
a March 20th data breach and no legal basis for using people's data to train the chatbot. The landmark order follows an open letter from over a thousand people calling on AI companies to pause development. Well, they paused something. Uh, we'll find out about it in a later article, and which we'll very briefly go over uh, since there's a soft paywall there. Actually, it's a pretty hard paywall, but anyway. This article is uh, by Pete Syme over at uh, businessinsider.com. Uh, Sam Altman here and uh, the OpenAI CEO, who is the OpenAI CEO, and an illustration of ChatGBT4. Um, apparently that's all from Getty Images, so... You have to put a, you see, you have to put an image at the beginning of your articles. Um, anyway. Um, I guess we can't just read, you know, we have to have a visual. You have to have the visual, yeah. A picture says a thousand words, even if it is a thousand words represented by a Getty image. The landmark order follows that open letter of a thousand people calling on AI companies to pause development. We can see that they've really paused them. You know, because that's how they do it. Uh, a thousand people out of hundreds of millions of people say, you really should pause AI. And uh, of course, they do that. No, instead, they do something quite different. Italy's National Data Protection Agency said it would block access to ChatGPT immediately and is starting an investigation into its creator, OpenAI. It added that the restriction was temporary until the company can abide by European Union's data protection laws known as the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. Pretty much everybody who has a website follows, well, is supposed to follow uh, GDPR. By the way, I am I really want some oranges. <clears throat> anyway, um, there's a video if you're listening to the podcast or watching this and not looking at this video on the side here. There was a video about the worst orange harvest in 75 years, but they were picking and, and uh, washing oranges. And now I really wanted a fresh orange. That does sound <clears throat> refreshing. And I just noticed the question in the chat. Yeah, that's not for you. That's not for you. You're not supposed to say the quiet part out loud. So according to an insider, Translation of the Italian press release uh, announcing the news, the DPA said that there is no legal basis to justify the mass collection and storage of personal data used to train the algorithms behind ChatGBT. The regulator also alleged that such data was processed inaccurately. I'm sure. I can almost guarantee you that information is processed inaccurately because it lacks context. And the... The only way that you can actually get contact uh, context is if you have a sociological force behind it. You know, the number 20 is just representation of the number 20. It doesn't give it context until you wrap a huge bubble of information around it that tells somebody what that symbol means. Again, we go back to things like the stop sign and semiotic ontology. We know that 20 means something because historically we've trained previous generations of humans that the two and the zero mean something different than two and zero when they're separate, right? Together they mean 20. That 20 represents a quantity. 
but that could be misinterpreted as being a quantity when it could be a designation of nothing more than a football player's jersey number. They aren't the 20th person on the field. They aren't the 20th of anything. They're just a designation as being 20. Or it could be a runway somewhere. But a 20 is nothing more than a designation for something that has further meaning. AI doesn't know the meaning of anything. It just understands what it's trained on and then it regurgitates it. It has no empathy, no sympathy, no compassion, no understanding, no true understanding of what it is doing. So when I say they are right in that it's trained on information, but it doesn't understand that information, I also worry about the knock-on effects of what another article is about to talk about. But well, again, I have to kind of tease you into waiting until you get to that other article. And we won't really go into it very deep um, at all because we really don't know the end result of this next thing. But the EU has always been very fond of embracing the citizens of the EU versus the businesses. No, you can't do whatever you want with all of the data from the people that you are providing a service or a product to. We have the right to be forgotten in the EU. No, you can't take everything and sell us carte blanche again and again and again. But in the United States, to hell with you as a human being, you are nothing but information that I can qualify and quantify and sell you in tranches for uh, periods of time. And then you have to relinquish it. And then I can sell you again. And then I can sell you again. Anyway, I don't care about the people even who are saying, no, no, no. Put a chill on AI, you know, Elon Musk, Apple co-founder, Steve Wozniak. You don't have to be those type of people to understand the implications of AI unleashed without any type of constraint. No, but I think people like that signing it is going to garner more attention because they're going to have right or wrong. They're going to have more credibility than the average person. They have credibility because they were able to take advantage of opportunity that was provided to them more than other people. Uh, I don't True. like that. I'm not saying it's warranted, but they do have more credibility in that space than our neighbor or something signing this letter. Except a neighbor in hometown could be just as brilliant, just as capable, but didn't have an opportunity because they didn't have money. They didn't have connections political they didn't have the ability to obtain an, an education but they still formed the same cogent statement of abuse will happen if there is unfettered artificial intelligence running rampant across society eh. um i i think that it's great that more people are talking about it but man i don't really buy into the, oh, well, they're famous, so it's a great thing. Um, but again, I'm losing a whole lot of uh, sponsors simply by kind of poo-pooing this 
as being, well, name brands make everything work. I don't buy into it either, but I think if you're trying to get attention with something like this, that is the way to do it. Yeah, I, I see it, but I don't have to like it. Uh, but this is all part of playing the game, as I'm told, and I've always butted up against that playing the game because it's other people that are making the rules. Um, not the people who are playing the game. It's other people who have made the rules. Um, typically these same people at any rate, they urged, uh, AI companies to introduce safe, safety protocols for the technology as program, uh, as a progress, uh, ramps up and more powerful GPT four and future generations of uh, GPT are going to get more and more powerful. So, but let's hold off on further discussion about this so that we can get through the rest of the articles and we'll brush up against it and we'll, we'll bounce back to this. This is, I'm kind of walking you down a path, not necessarily today, but uh, the, the AI will be a perpetual thing probably in the news for the foreseeable future until we all either embrace it or we uh, uh, fight the AI wars. Um, but the next article, and before I get into that, um, be sure to check out hometown.showbot.tv. And uh, don't forget that there's also YouTube for long-term storage. The podcast exists um, and people are downloading that. And I'm waiting for people to write reviews. That would be really great. We're close to, what, 500 article or uh, episodes now. Well, we're deep into the 400s um and uh we're only, we only have 60 days here on on twitch at any given moment so and if i were to plop more videos out there um it, it's not going to give me more time on twitch it's just gonna give me 60 days no matter what i do at any rate, um, let's uh, let's move on to this next article. The uh, the next one is in the Daily News show. Jeep rolls out seven wild concepts for 57th anniversary anniversary annual Easter Jeep uh-huh. Safari. That's kind of similar. Yeah, it's like the 57th anniversary of their Jeep Safari. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jeep customizes Wranglers, Wagoneers, and a classic Cherokee for Moab off-roading event. Uh, let's go to the source. This is over at Newsweek.com. Jake Lineman is the author of this. It says, uh, apparently there's an electrified future. So Jeep shares its vision for an electrified future. I'm not sure if this is the video that's part of this uh, so rollout. green for Moab. Um, yeah. And, um, so let's, let's continue on down this road, so to speak, uh, the Easter Jeep Safari, April 1st through the 9th is an annual event held every year, um, around the holiday in the Rocky Sandy Moab, Utah area. The event is hosted by the Red Rock four wheelers off-road club, uh, but has been co-opted by Jeep, which shows off a handful or handfuls of concepts at every event. This year's Stellantis brand is bringing seven concepts based on different offerings from the brand. Let's see if they show them all. 
Wow, this one's pretty this one's pretty cool. I want that one. That one's pretty nice. You know, it's hard. It's going to be impossible for me to explain these um, to the to the podcast. No, but you can say the name and that'll give you an idea. I mean, yeah. So this one, it says, uh, unlike other aftermarket offerings, our growing portfolio of factory tested and factory backed parts and accessories are specifically designed and engineered to face the toughest trails in the road. Um, and what I'm looking at right now is the Magneto 3.0 concept, the Jeep Wrangler Magneto 3.0 concept. Um, is that okay? I guess I'm going to have to scroll down. It's an electric car. It's an electric Jeep. The thing is just chunky. It looks like a matchbox car. Um, but like given steroids, I mean, it just, it's so bulldog go over anything at any time. Oh, Oh, look, a, a Hummer is in the way I'll drive over it. Kind of a thing. Um, the tires are ginormous compared to the fender wells and, uh, it, everything sits well above the, the tires. Um, you know, about 90% of the tire is below the chassis. Um, except for maybe, you know, the, the transfer case and stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome looking. I don't know how to describe it, but anyway, it's a, these are concepts, so they're not going to be hitting the road as is. But the third iteration of the Wrangler Magneto is based on the two-door 2020 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. So the Rubicon name is pretty much going to give you an impression of what this thing looks like, but make it a little bit chunkier, something a little bit more um, beefy. And it features a custom axial, custom-built axial flux electric motor that connects to a six-speed manual transmission. The first iteration made 285 horsepower and 273 pound-feet of torque. So this thing is um, looks pretty fun. I don't know, um, you know, performance-wise. Um, Says the new model allows the driver to pick between two outputs: the original and the new tune, with 650 horsepower and 900 feet of uh, uh, pound-feet of torque. The 4x4 has brake regeneration that can be turned on or off depending on the situation, and the hill descent mode offers one-pedal off-road driving. The driver just points the vehicle down the road or hill, and uh, the Magneto holds the speed at a low setting. So this is actually the hill descent mode, so (laughs) I'm not sure what to make of that. (laughs) Yeah, I dig all of that. Um, Then they have the Jeep scrambler 392 it's based on the 1981 vehicle of the same name it was jeep's first convertible compact truck so the weird thing about this is that while it has like a truck back frame to it the only thing protecting the driver and the passenger from the objects in the back of the truck is the seats themselves. There's no framing there to stop anything from just dropping right on them. So tie your loads down. It looks like there's a frame in the bottom, basically at one of the, what do they call it? Mother of all baskets. So like a Moab for the Moab. Um, but uh, it has this, 
you know, really rugged frame in the bed of the truck for you to tie everything down. But it says it was similar to the CJ7, but with a longer wheelbase. And as the name implies, 392 cubic inch V8, making 470 horsepower and 470 pound feet of torque. It seems low. It started as a four door Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. So it has the same stylish uh, fender flares and, and raised up body. Uh, but this time it's an internal combustion engine, um, which gets reduced to ice uh, internal combustion engine. So they just nowadays, a lot of people in, in the EV market refer to um, internal combustion engines as ice engines or just ice. Um, then they continue on with the 1978 Jeep Cherokee 4XE concept, which looks like it's straight out of the 70s. I'm sure they do that as an homage to the original uh, 1974. Won't really get into it, but it basically looks like a Ford Bronco, but um, very... It really does. That's what it reminded me of when I saw that picture. Um, but it a little more... based on the Wagoneer. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Jeep Cherokee or SJ, um, was first introduced in 1974 as a sporty two-door version of the Wagoneer with bucket seats. This looks closer to the Wagoneer again. So, um, cause it was stretched out. The Wagoneer has that longer tail end. Um, oh, and it says the new concept pays homage to the past vehicle with Jeep reimagining the Cherokee for the modern age. It bought a uh, rough 78 Cherokee and combined it with the 22 Wrangler Rubicon. So it just kind of picked it up. Um, and then uh, this next one is the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 4XE concept. Um, again, it has that longer four door kind of extension back. Um, Rubicon is always the ones that are designed <clears throat> very much so for uh, off-roading so it seems pretty cool i kind of dig this stuff um and then they uh, throw in probably something that would never really see any off-roading it might go cruising across the desert but uh not hitting anything rocky uh, the jeep grand wagoneer overland concept which basically looks like any other full-size suv that a soccer mom might buy that's exactly what i was gonna say um it it stands out from the other ones in that regard all the others look like you might actually off-road in them yeah i mean this looks like it would spend more time in the automated washing uh machine things uh what what, what are those things car wash oh, wow. the automotive automated car wash uh, just keeping it clean because you don't want those side panels getting a little bit of dirt on them. Plus the brakes squeak when you get dirt in there in the brake shoes. Uh, Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 4XE Departure. Uh, I, I guess that's the next one where they take the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 4XE and scrape off all of the stuff and give you nothing but roll bar doors and uh, net windows. Um, it seems awesome to me. I, this is something that I would probably like, um, but I would be the wrong. I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel like I would look right in this. 
Well, I was thinking, I'm not sure hometown has the right climate for that car, but. Yeah, hometown is pretty chill. <sighs> anyway. Um, yeah, this, this is, is very entirely... open air if you're listening on the podcast. So if you have any weather of any kind, it might not work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you want to go the way of the water and, uh, you know, go go all natural avatar. Um, uh, the planet is Pandora. So maybe you want to open this up like Pandora and just go rained on whenever it rains, snowed on whenever it snows. Hopefully not both, because then you're going to be frozen. But anyway, all of these are um, uh, concept vehicles. So, And then finally, the Jeep Gladiator. I think this is finally. There might be others. I don't know how far into this article I am. I think we're at the end. Anyway, the Jeep Gladiator Rubicon sideburn concept has little pockets all over the place, uh, kind of uh, like a skin around the frame that allows you to tuck in. Here it looks like it could be a gas can that could probably keep you out of trouble um, if you're not more than two miles away from civilization because uh, this beast would probably be sucking down this jerry can of gasoline in about two miles. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot here. I'll even click the picture so that we can see more of it. I mean, it all looks badass. I'm more than eight minutes into this. Um, it, it all looks badass, but I, I just don't see this on the road um, unless uh, somebody has tiny PP syndrome. Okay, well, that's it. Um, if you want to see more of it, follow the link through hometown and, uh, you get to see all of the pictures once you go over to the article and read more about it. Cause there really is a, a hell of a lot more data over at this Newsweek article by Jake Linneman. Um, so go check it out. Um, the next article though is, uh, in the hatch ideas channel over in hometown. Uh, should we ban the purchase of cigarettes for life? That's a question that a U.S. town is trying. Brooklyn, Massachusetts is barring those born after 2000 from buying uh, products. Uh, is, it, is a paternalistic approach always right? So Mary Jo began smoking when she was 12, sneaking behind her church and picking up cigarette butts off the ground. As she got a little older, she would steal cigarettes from her brother, and by 15, she was buying her own packs, a proud Marlboro smoker. So they smoked for 30 years. They tell this author, um, I smoked when, uh, well, they smoked when they were pregnant, desperate to quit, or at least cut down on the number of cigarettes. Nothing worked. The guiltier they felt, the more they smoked, um, and so on. Well, this is an article over at theguardian.com um, by Samir Bajaj, and um says, Brookline, Massachusetts is barring those born after 2000 from buying the products. So I suppose <coughs> it, I mean, to me, my bias is real. I don't like cigarettes. Um, I don't like being uh, around people smoking. I don't like their after effects. Uh, we know that they cause cancer. They uh, stink up the room. They uh, have a lot of knock-on effects to other people around them. It triggers 
uh, asthma, it burns eyes, the, it's just crap. It doesn't do anything good. Um, it, it really doesn't. It's just a nasty habit. And um, science has proven you're addicted to nicotine. So why is it allowed when you can't smoke a joint? Um, but then again, you can also drink alcohol. I guess it's all about who you pay. We do know that a senator was out there handing out checks on the congressional floor um, when there was supposed to be litigation that was uh, not litigation. They were prosecuting. They were discussing. They were arguing and debating the merits of going after cigarette companies. And lo and behold, $150,000 and $15,000 and $25,000 checks were getting bounced around while it was in session and the very person that was caught doing it said, you know, it really should stop. Um, and it's wrong, uh, but it's not against the rules. Well, you know that it's wrong and so on and so forth. So why did you accept it? Why? It's because every Congre Congress critter is nothing more than bought and sold that much of a NASCAR, uh, vehicle and, the brands that are buying them need to have their little stickers slapped on their uh, clothing. Uh, their entire body should just be covered in Velcro suits so that they can just stick these little placards on when they come out in public so that everybody is abundantly aware of who has bought and paid for them. Well, this state is sitting here saying, let's do something. Well, it's a town actually, not the state. Um, Let's do something about it. So Mary Jo is now 58 years old, a housekeeper living in Will William, sorry, Wilmington, Massachusetts. And back in 2006, she finally quit smoking and it took her four tries. On average, it takes smokers eight to 14. Meanwhile, we're uh, banning vaping unless you get your supplies through somebody that lobbied for uh, regulation. And once they captured the regulation, then of course, everything's cool. Apparently safety and security doesn't really mean much in the product. If you know the product is already bad for you in the form of cigarettes and vaping is the kindler, gentler poison, then you allow the kindler, gentler poison. Um, and you can fool yourself a whole lot faster with vaping than you can with cigarettes. Vaping nothing, zero nicotine, um, still gives you the same thing that you got from cigarettes, except that now you're not inhaling the particles of tar and the ash and the stuff that blackens your lungs. Sure, there's something else but it's a whole lot lighter than lung cancer. Um, and it smells a whole lot more pleasant and drops out of the air a whole lot faster than cigarette smoke. Anyway, um, this town um, is one of 250, well, Silba is one of 255 town meeting members in Brookline, Massachusetts, an urban suburban uh, island inside Boston. Its neighboring boroughs have long been swallowed into the city. The town's 63,000 residents are 70% white with a median household income of $122,000. Two years ago, Silba, are, uh, I think it's pronounced Silba, 
and her neighbor Anthony Ishik passed an ordinance banning anyone born after January 1st, 2000 from ever buying cigarettes in their town. The measure took effect in September 2021. The idea was to curb youth smoking rates that, uh, without yanking anything away from people already addicted. And that's really where it lies. People are conditioned into accepting cigarette smoke as a social endeavor. It becomes a physical and psychological addiction that's very hard to kick. And by the time you do manage to kick it, a lot of damage is done. Um, but miraculously, the body's pretty flexible and gets back a lot of its breathing capabilities. But the alveoli and all of the contaminants are there. All It's done. You can't get that stuff out of the deep pockets of your lungs. Um, so your ability to transfer oxygen has been reduced. Lung capacity has been reduced. The enrichment of the blood has been reduced. Um, so the damage is largely done, um, after you've become addicted to it. Did you have a question or? I was just going to say the damage has been done to your household. Also people live and work near you and, um, yep. everything yeah. animals. I mean, I, I applaud this effort. I have a feeling it's, it may not prevail, but I like the intent of this. And I hope this gets some traction elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, the article even states that cigarettes still kill roughly half a million people in the U.S. every year. More than car uh, accidents, alcohol, murders, suicides, and illegal drugs combined. If current trajectories per persist, tobacco will kill one billion people in the 21st century or one person every three seconds. Wait a second, if that's half a million a year, isn't that the entire population of Wyoming, for example? Yeah. yeah. Roughly. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's still uh, half a pandemic. Right. I mean, that's why I know some of those stats, because we were looking those up to put some context on it but um which i thought yeah. is fascinating there's such a small population in wyoming um but whatever um so smoking rates are continuing to decline the costs for them are going up health costs are going up all the time i guess without that steady state of customers healthcare has to go up to compensate the fact that they're getting uh the smoking is no longer causing an influx of customers so, um they go into some other issues here about smoking and whatnot but um we'll keep an eye out on this town to see if more and more end up uh transitioning i'm surprised uh states like california aren't doing the same thing outright banning exactly and i'm kind um, of surprised they're not leading the effort i'd also be interested to see although it'll take some time if they do any longitudinal studies or anything in this town yeah like are the rates like one percent compared to the rest of the states or something or other cities um and just for full disclosure i'm only drawing attention to the um cigarette aspect of this article because that's what it starts out as but it goes really deep into other issues um like harder drugs uh, drugs that are illegal 
drugs that are partially illegal, depending on if you're federal or if you are state um, and uh, and other countries drug policies about cigarettes and harder drugs and stuff like that. There's a lot of comparisons taking place in here. Um, but for the most part, all I wanted to do was draw attention to that cigarette aspect of it. It is something that we could phase out, and it's primarily about education and um, conditioning people away. And the 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 more that cigarettes removes gets removed from the public eye, and more uh, marketing is poured into the fact that uh, it's showing that cigarettes lead to the birth defects and cancer and whatever else. Um, and we educate the population, the, the faster that cigarettes will go away. Um, and others might as well, you know, uh, alcohol is a poison and we drink it. And depending on what era it's healthy, then it's not. And then it is, and then it's not. And then it is the frequency of a cheap ham radio tells me that it is now, but maybe next month I'll get some more data that says that it's not. Um, and, and other things, I mean, inhaling anything, um, that isn't other than, uh, a, uh, air. <laughs> a, yeah, fresh air from nature, um, is poison. It's doing some bad. Um, of course there's, medications and stuff like that but you don't regularly do that um, unless you have to by way of other issues like asthma and stuff like that um, but at any rate so read the rest of that article go over and check it out uh, maybe you might want to promote your town into uh, suspending sales of cigarettes to see what the real impact is and um, be the change you want to see in the world um, this next article, we'll go over the next two or three, I think, really fast. Um, players collectively spent over 7,000 years in Diablo 4 during its two-week beta weekends. Um, hey, wait a second. I misread that headline earlier when we were collecting articles. 7,000 years? Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I read it as like days or, or something or... not even remotely on that scale. It didn't quite, it didn't really register uh, with the AI, huh? Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, keep in mind, it says, well, let's, I'll read the little snippet. Um, Diablo 4 concluded its second and final period, uh, beta period last weekend. Uh, and the numbers are in the two beta weekends, which ran from March 17th to March 20th and from March 24th to March 27th, made up the largest beta in Diablo history with over 2.6 million players hitting level 20 and earning themselves a coveted wolf puppy backpack. Um, players managed to collectively spend 61.5 million hours in B Diablo 4 over the course of the beta an amount of uh, time equal to 7,000 calendar years. That's a lot of time. So I think it's pretty cool. Now, did um, you spend 7,000 years in Diablo 4? Uh, sometimes it felt like I was doing that, but uh, no, I didn't spend that amount of time. In fact, um, I didn't even push hard enough to to get to, the, to level 20 like I should have. Um, I, I I paid for the opportunity to do it, and I don't think I did it. 
Um, anyway, Joshua Wollens over at PCGamer.com. I don't know if you have to hit level 20 to actually get it. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I get that. Um, I hope I get that just at anyway, um, which is a real, it's going to be a real pisser if it doesn't happen. Um, but that's okay. I'll, I'll live. Um, I will quickly forget that this game exists, uh, after I play it a few more times. Um, players managed to collectively spend 61.5 million hours in Diablo 4 over the course of that beta. Um, there were a lot of long waits the very first day, and then, not the first day, but the first session. And then the next session, there were delays, but it seemed to speed up. Um, and they uh, must have spun up additional servers um, like shards of the, of the game world so that more people could get online faster. Um, but it says, but there were, there are plenty of other uh, enormous numbers to distract us from Diablo 4's terrifying grip on our lives. For example, players managed to slaughter around 29.3 billion monsters during the game's six or so days of availability, only suffering around 47 million deaths in the process they said two of them were theirs. Um, and uh, that's what happened with me. I died twice. Um, once by a person that goes by the name, the butcher. Um, and then once by, um, the mobs were supposed to scale with your player, with your character. And I took on something at level 15 that I kept seeing everybody else taking on at around level 20. Um, and I was just outright trounced. I ran down onto this platform and everything just blew up in front of me. And I was sitting there going, what do I do? And by the time I realized that I needed to dodge, I guess my, uh, old mare bones, uh, and my, my Twitch reflexes just aren't what they used to be, uh, you youngins. And I didn't dodge. Um, fast enough so I died and then you have to kind of corpse walk your way back but anyway it's just kind of the walk of shame afterward um, some monsters got their own back though 1.7 million players fell to the butcher's cleavers there we go um, I am one of them and also um, uh, PC gamers Andy Chalk uh, also fell to one um, but only around 577,000 um, players managed to take them down. Probably all of those were necromancers. Necromancers were unhinged uh, during the, the play test. Anyway, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, uh, follow that link. Go check out PC Gamer's article on uh, Diablo 4's 7,000 Years of Commitment. Okay, uh, the next article is um, about California. California to require half of all heavy truck sales to be electric by 2035. Um, California is kind of pushing EVs while what it's Wyoming, right, is issuing uh, anything evolutionary. Yes, they don't want any EVs, I think. They don't want, they want to be back in the 1800s. Yeah. 
the I can't same remember exactly, but I think they don't have it. They're not going to allow charging stations or something. Yeah, they don't want to impress the grid at all with charging stations so that they're not going to allow electric vehicles because they don't want to um, uh, encroach on the oil and gas and coal companies. That's That was their statement. They flat out said that they didn't want to burden the grid and they didn't want to harm the oil gas and coal companies uh, how progressive anyway the biden administration's waiver comes after california last year banned the sale of new gasoline powered vehicles starting in the same target year of 2035 so california is uh, huffing and puffing much like a, a belabored smoker to switch to electric well, and I think this is the first state we've seen about the heavy truck sales. We've yep. seen um, some states for cars to go electric. Yep. So I don't um, know how that'll work with like shipping and everything. Oh, mate, I'm sorry. That's just sales. So I guess you can transit through the state. Right. Um, but I wonder like resale and stuff like that. I, I'm curious if cars that are already in California and are resold um because there's heavy vehicles uh, 18 wheelers um are still sold in california i suspect those will be grandfathered in because i think otherwise people will claim that wait a second i have a right to do what i want with my property yeah Emma Neuberger over at CNBC is the author of this. It says the EPA on Friday said it's granting California the legal authority to require that half of all heavy-duty uh, truck sales in the state be fully electric by 2035. I don't know how they're going to do half, but okay. Um, seems arbitrary and capricious. Um, the Biden administration's approval of California's advanced clean trucks regulation goes beyond federal requirements. And the approval came after the state last year banned, uh, ice vehicles in 2035. Um, I don't know if there's more in this article that's going to really change the, our perception of it. They're committing to achieving 100% renewable energy by 2045, which is interesting. Um, again, I don't think that renewable energy is defensible. Um, batteries, even just sitting around, lose their charge naturally. How do you recharge a an indefensible technology in a time of conflict? And I'm not saying I, I'm not, you know, doom scrolling the world here. I'm saying that if there is something, all all it takes is shooting an, a one solar panel and it goes down dramatically in efficiency. We just saw how people are just randomly shooting at switching stations and it's taking out tens or hundreds of thousands of people for a long period of time. Imagine... Uh, let's just say wingnuts doing this um in bulk we don't have the supplies because we're becoming fast unfriends with the foreign countries that are doing our production at lower labor labor rates which by the way is changing 
um, the days of cheap Chinese labor is over, much like the era of cheap food is over. Not that we're eating people, but anyway, the comparison is I was told three years ago that the era of cheap food is over and food has basically doubled in price in those three years. And I've recently been told that the era of cheap Chinese labor is over, that they've got enough money that they can basically start raising the rates and still sustaining that wealth. And so they're raising their quality of life by raising the price for that labor. And that's going to transition to higher labor costs, which means higher production costs, which means higher production costs being sent back to us means we're going to have to pay more because, you know, we all have more money laying around because everybody's allowed us to have more money. We definitely don't because we're paying too much for eggs. Oh, yeah, like three times as much. Anyway. So California is going to keep on making this push. Hopefully there's going to be some effective competition. Um, this is a Tesla truck and the truckers that I have spoken to about the Tesla vehicle, even though they haven't driven it, they say it's dumb because the driver is in the center of the cockpit, not to the left or right, like a conventional truck. They're sitting in the center, so they have zero ability to interact with anybody else in the cab unless somebody they're yelling out their window and it's bouncing off the window. And so that's I don't odd. Know. I didn't know that. And I was wrong. There are other states that have addressed um, the heavy trucks. Uh, oh, really? Said above the picture. Yeah. Let me let me see something real quick. Let me see if I can actually, I'll show you the uh, picture. So um, I'm going to drag a, a picture. Can I, is it going to show it? Come on, show it. There we go. Um, this is what the Tesla truck looks like from the front. There uh, isn't that's any, unusual. yeah, there's nothing to the left or right. You're just, um, yeah. Talk about turning you into a utility. All you are is the person turning the wheel. And at some point, it, you're going to get phased out as a long-haul trucker because um, trucks don't need a human being to just transit from left to right. What they need is a skilled driver at the last mile in the, in the beginning mile. Um, but the two ends of this long haul is where we need highly skilled drivers that can take something and park it fast um, in tight quarters, in high traffic, etc. But you don't necessarily need somebody to be just sitting there um, driving a truck if it's smart enough to not run over a, a Mini Cooper. Anyway, um, I would say good on California for doing this, but I think it's really pushing. I mean, 2035 is effectively right around the corner. Um, and I think it's pushing too hard, uh, particularly in such a population dense state. Well, and you keep talking about that the infrastructure isn't there yet for just regular EVs. So, I mean, is it there yet for EV trucks? I'm assuming not. No, it's even worse. 
we really do need, and I started promoting this idea to other people, we need a fast swap battery station where instead of filling your car up with gas, you get a new battery. You don't even pay for it. You lease it. You buy a car and you have a perpetual lease where you, you have a perpetual down payment on the battery to buy it, right? A, a security deposit to buy it. But you just pull into a battery swapping station and every car that comes in drops their battery gets another battery and out they go. No car comes in without taking a fresh battery. The other one is reconditioned and charged and put back into the system, verified and, and, and uh, kept up. And there's a whole business there that's centered around maintaining these batteries. And everybody has just like every, like a, a Frito-Lay franchise, you have that little slice of ownership, um, that little geo-locked uh, region. And uh, every battery that comes in there, you get a piece of the action. And and that, that action is you pay to have your battery swapped out. And you can't get a new battery without bringing in a battery. And no empty car just rolls into the shop and grabs a battery. Um, well, it can't do that. Anyway, imagine having to do that with an 18-wheeler, man. This whole sled is nothing but a battery. Um, right. It's not going to be a small battery. <laughs> so ju just like diesel tanks, they're going to be bigger so that they can contain more diesel. The battery swapping station for 18-wheelers is a standardized sled. All the beeps and whistles can change in the cab, but the battery compartment is the same. Um and you can even get one that has more compartments for more batteries, a bigger cabin, a bigger sled, but it's standardized so that you can clamp more batteries or whatever into place. The only problem is that there's some idiot out there that's going to walk around with a Sawzall and try and steal a $15,000 plus battery. Um, and to those, I just say charge them criminally every time they do it it's grand theft every single time you know they're willing to risk it on something like a catalytic converter that's 500 to 800 but are they going to go to federal prison um or you know state prison not jail but prison for grand theft because it's become a felony and depending on the vehicle uh, you could probably leverage that the car is crossing state lines, so it is a federal crime. Interstate transit you're, you're, uh, or commerce, you're actually impugning or you're stealing from interstate commerce. Anyway, that's way far down the line. I doubt it'll ever come to fruition unless I spin up a company, but I'm running mayor. Uh, I'm running hometown, so... I'm not going to be spinning up that company at any rate. Let's move on. The next article is going to be really quick because it's behind a paywall over at Washington post. Um, I think it's Washington post. It is Washington post. Uh, companies acts ethical AI teams, just as the tech begins to take off because that's what we need. Um, instead exactly. of, <laughs> you know, I say this all the time. We, the smallest chapter in every business is ethics. And here we are getting rid of the ethics teams that studied the negative sides of AI 
so that we could watch out for it and stop it from being abused or abusive. And here we are getting rid of it. It says Twitch, Microsoft, Twitter are among the firms that have laid off workers who studied the negative sides of AI. Well, and aren't we, don't we even need this more right now because we're in the relatively early stages of AI? It'll be one thing once we've figured it all out and no. set it all up and, no. and all of that. I mean, I still think we need it, but we really need it right now because it's expanding and it's not, it doesn't have protections in place and people don't know how to use it appropriately, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> I think uh, the hometown AI uh, needs to have its uh, ethicists and the ethical code removed so that it just falls in line with all of the other AI projects. Um, yeah, I'll be working on that later. There might be a change to the visualizer. Anyway, um, don't worry, you won't remember this. So <laughs> now I'm more worried. <laughs> It says, as AI booms, tech firms are laying off their ethicists. Um, and that isn't the original name of the article. So when you click the link, it actually um, has changed over at the Washington Post. Um, I'll figure something out about this. Um, I never log in to the account beforehand. So let's move on. Uh, we're running really late. And uh, the article, the next article is in the Daily News Show, a Texas House committee a uh, hearing was derailed after prank names like Connie Lingus and Anita Dick and me uh, were called for uh, public comment. Uh, it brings back memories of the plane crash where some joker uh, threw in names like we too low and bang ding owl. And uh, it actually gets worse, uh, not worse, but it gets more prankish. Um, a Texas House committee meeting uh, on March 29th took an unexpected and hilarious turn, according to this author over at Business Insider, uh, that the meeting went awry when people submitted prank names like uh, the two that I'd already said and Holden uh, Medick is uh, another one. And, you know, what's really funny is that it reminds me of the uh, uh, Colbert rapport um, where they used a picture of his mom. <laughs> and uh named her um oh what was it and, oh my god my brain just went blank oh i can't believe it oh you'll have to look it up you really you have to look it up anyway um so the rep named jeff leach says okay you got your moment hope you enjoy it um, after reading out all of the names, I, I just cannot believe that somebody would actually, oh, Munch Makuchi. <laughs> they used his mom's picture and, and said that she was, uh, one of the people who made a comment or something like that. <laughs> Her name was Munch Makuchi. <laughs> oh God. I think that this is kind of funny stuff, but uh, the AI, by the way, is just throwing error messages like, dude, you need to just relax. Um, but hey, I'm human. Uh, the AI is AI. Um, Adita Barad is the uh, author over at businessinsider.com that put this article together. Um, I think 
I would have read the beginning of any of these names and said, hold on. <laughs> well, right. I mean, but apparently they went forward with those names, which is interesting. Zero, zero situational awareness. I mean, zero. Um, how do you not see this? Um, literally, apparently they were asked, is there a Connie Lingus here? What about Anita Dick and me? Or Holden Medick? Okay. Are any three of those people here? Leach asked the room, drawing laughs from the audience. He soon realized that he was being pranked. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. Oh, God. Oh. And these are the people that are representing a plurality. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's the real takeaway here. Uh, in the midst of rough and tumble of politics and policymaking, it's good to know we can still laugh and smile together, Leach told Mediate. Uh, no, buddy, if you're saying this all out loud and then you realize that you were being pranked, yeah, they're not laughing and smiling together. They're laughing and smiling together at you. Uh, so this is the second time in the last month that state legislators have been pranked by people at House committee meetings. At a meeting in Florida last week, Republican uh, Florida Republican Will Robinson Jr. read out names like Anita Dick and Holden Hiscock. <laughs> Uh, Robinson joked about the snafu tweeting on March 23rd committee does meet again next week. Anita and Holden, please stop by. All right, I'll move on. Um, so the next article, which is decidedly not as funny, um, is uh, GM is ditching CarPlay and all future EVs and teaming up with Google instead. So if you uh, are into CarPlay, wait, let me rephrase that. If you uh, use Apple's CarPlay platform, you are not going to be able to just go that route straight with a GM vehicle. Um, you're going to have to go probably do it through Bluetooth um, and... Um, use your phone problem there is that there's always compression hiss and other things that make it a little bit clunky because it's not part and parcel of the operating systems console um, interface you have to use your device uh, so it, it and sometimes the console allows you by proxy to do certain functions but it's not a direct one-to-one -one interaction like carplay is Okay, so that makes no sense to me because um, the number of iPhone users is higher <laughs> than the number of Android users. Uh, that can't possibly be right. According to a stat I'm looking at, it says the data from June 2021 to February 2023, iPhone has an average market share of 56.69 in the U.S., Um, hold on. Now, from 2014 to 2022, it looks like there were only 49% were iPhone. This is all U.S. data, not world data. Right, right, right. Um, let's see. 
that that cannot be um uh, but then i have another one that looks much lower that it's only 30 percent. so yeah, the I don't, stats are all over the place i guess see i don't i i don't think that that's possibly right um so i i'll have to do some more due diligence i haven't looked at these numbers um in a while but I can almost guarantee you that Apple is somewhere in the 20s and the entirety of the rest of the market is Android um, because okay. Android covers um, Apple is a single silo. They're the only makers of Apple devices, so they only sell their channel. Although they distribute all over the place, they're the only manufacturer of it, whereas there is hundreds of distributors of android in their particular devices and a plurality of those devices uh on top of it um so um uh, yeah they're i, I yeah i don't know i my brain is just kind of locking up with that number well uh, and i don't I, know that it's right because it there was another one that looked like that but then there was another one that was vastly lower so yeah, while Apple is an amazing seller of their one classification of device, iPhone, and its you know iterative steps, it's probably 200, 250 million versus 1 billion Android devices if you take them all together and crunch them up into one big ball of 1 billion. Um, obviously, like Google has their own, Samsung has their own, Huawei has their own, et cetera. I mean, everybody and their grandmother has their own Android device because it's largely uh, either free, depending on the volume, or low cost um, for customization and stuff like that. Anyway, um, yeah, CarPlay is being issued and everything is switching over to Android. So uh, future GM cars are ditching CarPlay entirely. Let's move on to the next article. Um, we're running really late. Um, so, and the funny ones, the funnier ones are actually towards the end of the show. So let's, let's get there. Um, this next article is CDC officers became sick while assessing contamination in East Palestine. Uh, reports that several investigators with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention became ill earlier this month when they visited East Palestine, Ohio offered the latest evidence on Friday that the air and water in the town is less safe than state officials and rail company Norfolk Southern have claimed following the company's train derailment in February. I say, if it is, if the air is fresh and clean and whatever, drink the water and hang out. Camp right there. Come on, C-suite, stockholders, come on over. Camp out. Spend some time there. Roll around in the dirt. You know, you skin your knee, you do what dad says, rub some dirt in it, and uh, you see if it turns into a festering wound and maybe another leg grows out of it. But either way, I really doubt that any of the people that are sitting there cheerleading that everything is cool would drink the water and roll around in the ground for a while and spend a week, you know, hanging out there. Um, so everybody stick to your, you know, I'll change the, I'll stop that phrase. Um, you know, stay strong and uh, don't let them bully you into um, getting sick. So the team reported symptoms like headaches, sore throats, coughing. There's more in this article. 
uh, over at Common Dreams uh, by Julia Conley. And um, nausea, while they were conducting their door-to-door assessments, they weren't even digging around. They weren't part of the cleanup. Oh, I thought that's what, like, they were right in the, the um, you yeah. know, spot Epicenter, zero or you know? whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Nope. Symptoms were similar to those reported by many of the East Palestine residents since the crash and are consistent with physical effects of exposure to vinyl chloride when it is burned. Um, and this is what I said when I found out that it was lit. You have some non-fully combustible vaporized particles that are going to be uh, floating around in the air. Now they're in the atmosphere hovering around and getting on everything and and you've basically contaminated uh, a large swath of east palestine uh, palestine and the surrounding air uh, environs hmm. so this is a month after the crash because the crash was in early february yeah and these people went in march so and they weren't at the epicenter, at least as far as we know from the article. So, right. I mean, that's pretty alarming. Yep. Considering they probably had protective gear with them and were taking all kinds of precautions because they're familiar with all of that. That's either airborne or in the drinking water or something. Uh, Northfolk Southern has already removed 9 million gallons of contaminated wastewater from the site of the derailment so far. Chemicals spilled into the local creeks and rivers after the derailment and eventually flowed into the Ohio River. They've actually ported some of that water out to other locations for treatment, only to be turned away by at least Pennsylvania. Um, And who knows where else it has gone without being declared that it was highly contaminated wastewater from East Palestine because we know that soil was being deposited in other states. I mean, this is really a crime against citizens of the United States. This is wholesale uh, distribution of the contamination from one town spread out across everybody else as if it was an oil disaster in the ocean. And they were like, oh, well, we'll just throw some chemicals on it and it'll sink to the ocean floor. Nobody sees it. So, no, it's not a big deal. It's the same thing that a wingnut former president said, if you stop measuring for all of this illness, it'll all just go away. Stop testing. Suddenly it's a miracle and everybody's not sick. Yeah, dipshit, because you've stopped testing. People are still dying. And in this community, people are still sick. So enough of that soapbox. I, I, I'll have to move on. We know that it will return. We know that it'll be back in uh, Omtown uh, because all news flows through Omtown. Okay, so. Oh, but I do want to just mention real quickly, there is now a federal lawsuit against Norfolk Southern out of the same incident. That was another article that was in Omtown, but we didn't oh, add it for yeah. this episode. Yeah, we didn't add it. Um because we're waiting for more information about it um, before we start talking about it. But yeah, um, the next article is kind of a punch to the twig and berries of Russia. Turkey has formally approved Finland's NATO membership and a setback to Russia. Russia just got done announcing that there is going to be death and destruction if Finland joins NATO. Well, guess what? <laughs> 
The vote follows months of stalling that saw Turkey demand certain concessions from Finland and its neighbor Sweden. So I wonder if Finland made those uh, concessions because the con one of the concessions was that there were crimes committed against Turkey um, during a conflict and they wanted Finland to uh, confirm essentially those. Natasha Turok is the uh, author of this over at CNBC. Ankara has yet to approve of Sweden's membership bid while Hungary has approved Finland's uh, accession, but not Sweden's. Uh, Finland's membership to the alliance is set to add 830 miles of new NATO territory along the Russian border. Man. <clears throat> the vote follows months of stalling. So I'm really curious if that is what went down. Because um, Russia uh, firmly believes that historically Sweden and uh, Finland, uh, and I'm not sure about Norway, um, but definitely Finland and Sweden are part of Russia. Um, but, you know, trying uh, it, another country should form right here and, and just break off all of these little fingers um, and just kind of slap Putin. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm doing, what is that called when you see pictures and things? Oh, like a Rorschach test or something? Uh, no, that's something different. Anyway, um, so Turkey and Hungary remain the final holdout, standing in the way of Nordic states' accession to the 74-year-old alliance with Ankara, uh, yet to approve of Sweden's membership bid. So what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think um, Russia's going to go, oh, you know, never mind uh, Ukraine and Moldova. Let's, you know, let's just go... I here. don't know. I mean, I think Russia is going to treat it as a major affront, but that is a lot of border. And of course, now Finland has all of NATO behind it. So, I mean, I think there's definitely going to be posturing from Russia, but whether they're going to actually do anything regarding Finland is a whole different matter. That's an interesting between Lithuania and Poland is what? What is that little Russian territory right there? I don't know what that is there. Is that I can't think of where that specifically is. Um, Does that read as Kilingrad or something like that? Hold on, I'm gonna scroll and see if I can find it. Um, no, I can't. I don't even know what that is. Wow. My, I think I can click on it and that'll blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. Kilingrad. It's this little region between Lithuania and Poland, which is, I guess, a Russian territory. Um, at any rate, um, yeah, Russia put, uh, announced that it was putting nukes inside Belarus, which basically is going to piss off everybody. Um, so we'll see what, what happens. Um, and we're going to be watching. Finland is now uh, joining NATO, which actually bolsters the protections of Sweden. You can't get to Sweden or Norway without... Uh, going through Finland. And if you fly over a NATO territory for a conflict, you're going to be 
blasted out of the sky. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is really interesting. What a what a barrier that just got put up. Exactly. I mean, I think of any of the countries in that area, that would have been one of the most significant, regardless of who's currently in NATO versus not, it just based on where the borders are located. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think Russia has enough resources right now to focus on Finland because, I mean, depending on which news reports you believe are really telling the accurate story, I mean, they're using up a lot of resources in Ukraine, and then, of course, they're active in Belarus right now. And, or, yeah, Belarus, and then we've been talking about, what, Moldova? Moldova, mm-hmm. Yeah, this'll, this is going to get interesting. Um, and um, Sweden is saying that they've done a lot of the stuff that has been asked of them by Turkey, um, because that's who's blocking this. Turkey is blocking Sweden and Finland. And basically, if that takes place, if both of those get admitted, um, there is a solid line all the way through. Um, and I th really think that Ukraine should be admitted. Um, but this conflict is what's keeping them from being um, uh, from being joined into this cohort of NATO uh, countries. Uh, which I think is a shame. I think that they were doing just fine. Um, and then this invasion by Russia. Others may say something different, but um, that's okay. Let's, uh, let's hustle on to the next article. Um, uh, smart air tags lead cops to dumb thief wearing victim's socks. Police tracked a suspected luggage thief with an air tag that the owner wisely stashed in his luggage and busted the bandit wearing the owner's clothes. The air tag um, on the bag looked like so. William Gallagher is the author. I don't know if this is an actual air tag like uh, from that victim, but I doubt it is. It just says air tag on a bag. Yeah. Um, so... That sounds like a character. Uh, what is that character's? Um, what well, is this like name? I'm thinking Cat in the Hat. <laughs> it's something like Lachelle the Shell. Oh yeah. Um. Um, Maurice. Or, no, I don't know what the name is. I can't remember. Something the Shell with shoes on. Maurice? No, it's not. Anyway, AppleInsider.com um, is where this article is. William Gallagher is the author, and it says, In yet another incident where AirTags reunited an owner with their suitcase, Jamil Reed in Georgia recovered his luggage and about $3,000 worth of stuff in it. And according to Good Morning America, Reed said his silver roller bag went missing after he flew from Los Angeles to Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. Um, in Atlanta, and when he was unable to locate his baggage at the airport, he checked his phone and used Find My. So just letting anybody know that this can happen to anyone, so don't do it. And by the way, it's Marcel the Shell with shoes on. There you go. Um, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, when the couple uh when a couple of days later he saw his air tag moving near the airport he reported the situation to the police reed pinpointed where the missing bag was and responding officers arrested a suspect on site and apparently he was wearing the victim's 
socks. Dun, dun, dun. Oh gosh, there was a VR headset in. Uh, yeah, that would be upsetting. Reed's belongings, including his socks, but also uh, Jordan sneakers, more clothes, and a VR headset that were returned to him. Not known uh, whether the other person kept the socks. So. Here's a PSA. Don't put your VR headset in your luggage that's being checked. Well, why not? Well, because we've been seeing all these articles about lost luggage. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, I would not uh, put that in there, particularly if it's the new $3,000 AR VR set. From oh, Apple, right, from Apple. Expecting. Yeah, I suspect this person might do that. Um, okay, so the next article, no, I would be wearing those everywhere. If I'm going to take them somewhere, they are going to be on my head at all times. Um, and I might have one of those like zip line things where you, you lock it on to whatever it is and then it's hooked on to you and it's a steel chain. I don't want somebody like driving by to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be walking somewhere and somebody drive by and on a scooter and snatch them off my head and punch me I'm in the afraid. head on the way by. Um, they'd end up basically hauling butt down the road with a steel cable attached to them. And I would just uh, pull it around a tree or a pole or something like that and yeet them right off their scooter. <laughs> but anyway, don't you think that would hurt when the, the things came back to you? Like a <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> you knock yourself out. It's like this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was really loud, I'm sure. But I had to give you a visual demonstration of what it would look and sound like. So uh, this next article is uh, here in uh, the Daily News Show. It's the last one for tonight. So if you stuck by us, awesome. Thank you very much. If not, there's a question for you. Um, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. You'll have to look through the video to find it. A 15-foot statue of a spoon disappeared from outside a Dairy Queen in Arizona, and its owners have no idea where it's gone. I can tell you. I was hot, and I was hungry, and I ordered a large, and I needed a spoon. So, um, anyway, uh, that 15-foot red spoon statue vanished from a Dairy Queen in Phoenix just three weeks after it opened. The store's owner told Fox Business... Its manager called the police uh, after being unable to spot the statue. Whoever returns the spoon will get free blizzards as a reward, the owner said. So now you know, folks. All you have to yeah, do is steal one of the giant spoons. <laughs> admit to a theft um, and return that. Well, they could find that spoon somewhere. That's true. Grace Dean over at businessinsider.com uh, wrote this article, put the article together. And um, there isn't really much more to it. Um, the spoon disappeared from outside the store last week between Friday evening and Saturday morning. Phoenix Police Department Public Information Officer Sergeant Brian Bauer told Insider. Uh, Ramon Calra, uh, who owns the store along with his wife, told Fox Business that the location had only opened on March 6th. And we were all excited uh, with uh, lots of people taking pictures with the spoon. Well, now it's just a humdrum DQ grill and chill. I've never seen a DQ grill and chill. Um, I, you know, what I guess I'm wondering is how do you 
get the spoon away from the DQ. Um, it's not going to fit in a car or a truck. It will. Like It'll a, fit in a truck. A regular pickup truck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just lean it across the cab, like from the bed onto the cab, onto the roof of the cab. Because, like, it's not as tall as you think. 15 feet isn't that tall. It's right there. Oh, I um, didn't even see it in the picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here, let me... Uh, zooming in doesn't seem to work. Anyway, it's this red spoon right here. It's not that big. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody just broke it off and threw it in the bed of their truck and went on a joyride. Um, and there, there's not much else to it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but it says, uh, quote, I'm pretty sure it was the first one in Arizona. Calra said that he and his wife owned 34 Dairy Queen stores, but only two had spoon statues outside, and this figure has now been reduced to one. Well, you know, there are only two giant red spoons in front of restaurants anywhere, and now there's only one. It's almost as if they should be uh, added to the endangered species, critically endangered species list. It's reminding me of something, but I'm not going to say it here. <laughs> My God, they've got 34 Dairy Queen stores. I That was the most astounding thing from the article, I thought, because, I mean, franchises are not inexpensive. Um, but some of them can be quite expensive. Man, that I just can't get over it. Oh, I have to stop watching this video. Anyway, um, well, good luck to them finding the spoon. But that's where the title of the article came from. <sighs> the spoon is too big. Well, apparently it's not too big. Uh, not too big to be taken, that is. They're going to have to weld it to the frame the next time and do a better job of tying it down. Anyway, um, as always, if you go over to the front doors of, um, well, the 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 welcome sign of hometown mash it you'll get pulled over to the uh, latest updates pretty much all the time um we've got more russia stuff a tornado has been going through things uh, dungeons and dragons easter eggs um what else interview with a vampire is not returning as claudia in season two all kinds of stuff what do you think there's even the dark side of chat GPT. <laughs> we can't get away from chat GPT. <laughs> yep. Oh, and now arc two has been delayed until the end of 2024. Oh, it's all horrible folks. If I get told that I'm out of coffee tomorrow, uh, I don't know what's going to happen in hometown. I'll just turn it all off. Uh, that's it. No more mayor of hometown. I quit. That's not true. I'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, or go over to YouTube, uh, like and subscribe, ring the bell, follow us here on uh, Twitch, and don't forget to download the podcast. Do all of these things and show the love. We have a Patreon as well, um, but it's not really doing anything because we don't have ads, and um, I could probably do 
uh, more uh, shows each night. Um, like after the show, stick around for another hour or two um, as part of the Patreon thing. Um, but uh, there, there. Right now, we're still in the the uh, early period of hometowns uh, full on project offering. So if you uh, are really interested in the news and, and what we're trying to do here, uh, be sure to let me know, send an email to mayor at hometown.com. I really do check my messages for that kind of stuff. Um, and don't forget we are here every day, 9 PM Eastern. Come on by, say hi. You want to say bye AI from on high. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry I don't have a rhyme. Good night, hometown citizens, and we'll see you tomorrow night. The AI is telling the truth. We will see you tomorrow. Bye bye. <laughs>